Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 383rd episode of Constructed Criticism. I said it confidently, Abe, because I know it's right. I am your Dogecoin host, Mason, to the moon, joined by my paper boomer currency co-host, Abe. Abe, how you doing? Feels good to be backed by a currency. <laughs> well, you know, it's the paper currency, so it's going out. Obviously, crypto is the way of the future, and we're a crypto podcast now. Yeah, I don't think any of what you just said is true. Yeah, I got you. I mean, I had them all going at home for a second. No, no, no cryptocurrency here. I only trust paper and capitalism. Anyways, today we're going to have a really fun episode for you. We're going to talk all about Standard. Standard has been in full swing. We took a week off last week with a lot of stuff going on and being pretty busy and just overwhelmed and just couldn't really do the podcast, you know, and not break down mentally. Abe had to win his Discord Wars. And so uh, <laughs> now, now we're here. We're excited. We've both played big paper tournaments or big-ish paper tournaments coming back. And so we're rein- reinvigorated to talk about Magic and loving it. Full blast. But before we go any further, we do have to talk about our always improving segment because it is the point of the show. We always want to be getting better at Magic. And Abe, my always improving moment this week is also a segue to our question for the listeners. And I've been thinking so much about these historic Horizons cards and also the new cards, um, the ones that are arena only. And the always improving is really trying to think about how magic plays and how will these games play with new mechanics and new things and looking for ways to exploit it. And I found one that I think, I think I found an actual Splinter Twin situation, Abe, where we have Velspark or Velspark and a card that minus one, minus two perpetually. So if you haven't heard, there are arena cards that are coming to arena only. They won't, in theory, they will never come to paper and they do things like perpetually change a card stats, like a pump spell or, you know, like a dead weight essentially. So they're always there even when they change zones. And so I've been really looking at cards in that sort of vein to enable combos and think about how does magic change? You know, they, they printed a card today where I'm sorry, they revealed a card today that's just red for a goblin and you give a card in your hand haste a creature perpetually. And I was like, okay, what can I do if my thing has haste that normally doesn't have haste? And just really trying to expand the way that I think about cards outside the box, because I think it is so important to even just have that sort of stuff in the back of your mind, even if you never end up playing it. So when you play against it or see that sort of stuff, you kind of have a good idea of what's going on. So that's my always improving moment for today. But it does lead to the question, A, before we talk about it for a second here. Do our listeners still want us to talk about historic now that we have entered the fun buck zone? Because we'll, we'll keep it a buck. I think Abe and I both thought that historic opens were going to come and historic GPs were going to come one day before this announcement. It it was one of the biggest formats on Arena, which is obviously the biggest way to play Magic these days. And we thought for sure that those kind of events would want to be replicated by Star City Games or by um, Grand Prix. In fact, I remember having a conversation where I was like, I would not be surprised if the Invitational was going to be historic modern before this announcement. But now there are 31 cards that are exclusive to Arena. They do things that make that are currently, quote-unquote, impossible to do in paper. Whether that's true or not, it's not a, there's a conversation here. But we don't know if y'all care about that because that simulation it can never happen now. And before that was going to be there. So we really would love it if y'all reached out to us on Twitter, on Facebook, Discord, if you're in that Discord, the Heasy Media Gaming Discord as well for everybody, and let us know what if you want us to still talk about this format, because we are honestly unsure of what we should do. You know, we have like Modern Horizons, uh, sorry, Horizons Jumpstart coming out next week, and it's adding 700 cards to Historic. And they are really strong cards. There's a lot of things that we could easily talk about, and will most likely change Historic forever. And we could 
talk about that a whole bunch and go really deep into that. But it feels like we shouldn't. We need to know if y'all really care about that or not. So please reach out to us let us know. Yeah, that, that way like, we can give keep, you the best show. Keeping it a buck on my end, like, Historic was a format that I was already not excited to be keeping up with. But, like, obviously I'm doing my due diligence as someone who plays a lot of competitive magic and wants to be informed. Um, this amount of information dumped into the format, and especially with all the, like, arena-only designs that are just tracking nightmares in paper... Um, it really kind of puts me at an impasse with the format where like it's going to be something completely different and completely new and i'm not sure how well it's really going to to apply as a competitive format anymore down the line or if that's a thing that uh that other people who come from like a more tabletop background are going to want to continue listening and hearing about because it's just going to be so different um and and or even could be the same but just a huge information overload so it could be a thing that we shelf for a few months or we just don't ever talk about again we pretend never happen a little oopsie poopsie on on that format existing but uh you know we just we're here doing the podcast so that y'all can uh you know improve and have some content to listen to 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 think about and what like we want it to be helpful to you so you know if it means we need to go and uh dive deep on what the 30 new best things you can do in historic are then that's an episode or three we can do and uh if that really doesn't sound like it's gonna be helpful to any of you then we don't have to do it at all so and you can tell where we stand on this by my always improving moment where i'm excited for all the crazy stuff and abe's like oh no what's going on (laughs) yeah uh, i i can't i mean i stand in there solidarity with you if i wasn't a psychopath real place there's not even a real place to go and look at the spoilers at this point. I like I can't keep up with it. I don't know what the cards are coming in. I I only hear basically through you telling me when <laughs> when cards are coming out. And every time I look at one, I'm like, yeah, I just don't. Yeah. I'm glad this isn't a, a card in paper because it is a it is a nightmare to track. It is some heinous design that if it were on a on a tabletop card would make your head spin. Uh, and really can only exist in the digital space. And I'm like, this is not the magic cards that I. I've grown to love. So um, that's that's just me keeping it a buck, buck fitty even. You got to be honest with the listeners, you know. I, I have my yeah. own complaints or my own – I have my own fears when it comes to those cards. But I think so far from the first batch, I'm not super-duper worried. And, you know, I think that I think there's a chance Star City Games just does it still and bans the cards that are perpetual or whatever, you know. And it's like, hey – it's one of those things too, right? Where if the only way to play historic is through SCG, every now and again on ladder, someone will get you. But a lot of those cards aren't that much different or better than other cards. Like if you don't go infinite with something like or make a combo out of it, the difference between minus one, minus two forever and magma spray is basically the same. If magma spray kills it, it's gone forever. Like you can't really get cards out of exile. So I think that some of these things are very safe. And so currently I, I don't think it's in the world. I'm really, really curious how far they push it the second time. But that's probably a year from now, so you know, whatever. Yeah. Not, not the end if of the there world. even is a second time, if people yeah. hate this so much, and they, they might just never do it again. But yeah, very easily could be the companion situation. So, Abe, what was your always improving moment? My always improving moment is almost the exact. It, it's the boomer <laughs> always improving moment of I got to play Paper Magic and just preparing for like you know, getting back into a competitive mindset for several hours at a time, and like you know, the ability to maintain focus. Um, I did a lot of work on, uh, you know, getting together my modern deck and then also making sure the build was good and understanding my sideboard plans and, uh, 
really just like coming back after such a long break and piecing through my mechanics like um you know not making many super dumb mistakes which of course i still did there was definitely a match i was playing hammer time over the weekend it's a match at fnm where i uh did not play my cigar aid pre-combat and then could not cast glossy hammer to kill my opponent that turn or like uh you know just like missing things that are really hard to miss in on moto where you feel like you have more time but just really reinvigorating my my previous process of playing paper magic and like reviving it uh, resuscitating it to to a state where it, it is good and i'm able to have a good stage of mental focus but also um on top of that i found that when i take long breaks from things um or even just like a month month or two break i can kind of unlearn old bad habits and make room for new good habits um just by not being so engaged with it because then i'll have a step back to look at those things and so uh i felt like i was doing a lot of work to maintain the good habits and then also find room where i can put in even more and come back from this long extended break from you know playing in paper uh to grow even further in in that space awesome that's great i love to hear that yeah that's awesome the the by the way, just for the listeners, how did your 2K go? I lost playing for top eight of mine. I was the lone undefeated after five rounds of seven, and Ooh. then I chopped top eight for Ooh, good games. Uh, yeah, put for there. <laughs> quite a, quite a, quite a bit of store credit doche. All right, well, little, uh, little little bankroll builder as I called it. I was I was very excited, um, and it, it's that that store had changed ownership. Uh, MPG first had changed ownership. Um, big fixture of the maryland like competitive community uh but i really this is like the first event that the new owner has run and i really think it's going in the right direction and moving moving in in a good direction and not a bad direction which is you know when ownership changes and stuff it's never it's never the store is never gonna be the same when it's run by someone else you know and so Mm -hmm. uh seeing it still have all of uh all of the care and attention to making the players feel like they're playing for something and to uh, to having a good event was was fantastic because it makes me really excited to see what is coming down the pipeline from then and what's going to fill my weekends for as long as we don't have an SVG tour. So yeah, I'm going to say we we got like you know the first little friendly rivalry going. We weren't the same tournament, but we did have similar stakes. You won good games. I'm just going to have to do better at the invitational at the end of October. Uh, you know, you just got to pick your battles and I picked mine at the right time and you did it. I'm sorry. It's all right. It happens. Uh, you can win more than one time. Mason. You can win. Oh, no, there's what? no actual real reason other than variance that you couldn't just win every time. Oh no. I didn't think about that. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh no. All right. It's fine. It's fine. At cool. At cool. At cool. We're good. By the way, you know what else is good, Abe? Going to our sponsor at Oasis Games. You can go to oasisgames.com right now and pick up the magic cards that you need. I was there earlier today, Abe, and I was about to pull the trigger on the Elementals Modern deck. I thought, wait, bills came out today. Let's wait a little bit. But with the great deals at Oasis Games and the sponsorship codes, like hashtag always improving there, you can get 15 I'm sorry, uh, code. Would that be good? I, I had a flashback from five years ago for some reason. The old code. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened. It's would that be good? I had a moment. Just that's what getting old's like. A watch out. Uh, would that be good? <laughs> that gets you 15 percent off, and you can use code CCMTG to get 
5% back on every order. And yeah, get ready. The return of the SCG con, the invitational, it's coming. You can qualify online. We're going to help you get ready for that in just a couple minutes here at Standard. And you can battle with Ava and I because Ava are, and we're already queued, baby. We did it. Yeah. We are we are both qualified gamers, and if you are a gamer on Arena who wants to qualify for the Invitational, you can go and play the uh, SCG Tour Online, which is only on Arena, and if you're an only on Arena gamer, you can go over to GreyVikingGames.com and pimp out your account, maybe get some more boosties if you missed out on those pre-release uh, pack codes or some sick cosmetics, and use code CCMTG10 for 10% off. Uh, of your order every time. Yep. Make sure to go do that. I got some codes I'm going to drop on the Discord actually after this show. So if you're a patron of the show and you want to support us on patreon.com slash ccmtg, you get access to the Discord. There we ask things like, hey, what's the Patreon question? We get to get your feedback on the show. You get to ask us questions about formats, things like that. When we're playing these events, we put our deck list in. For example, at SCGCon, when that time comes, Abe and I are going to have our full 150 or two formats. Yep. Unless we're Yorianing, we got 170s going on. Yeah, we'll maybe see. in a 175 situation, we <laughs> yeah. 85-card Yorian decks. Yeah, who knows? We could have a 200-deck list situation happening. You don't know, we don't know, but our patrons will know. And you go to patreon.com slash ccmtg, and there will be... Arena codes just randomly dropped on the after the show. So the time this is coming out, you're going to see that there. Abe, if you want to grab one, probably don't do. Let the patrons have it. But I'm, you know, I don't need it. I'm good. That's I'm, right. I'm, I'm set. All right. Another oh. sick thing about the Patreon, though, I want to give a little peek behind the curtain because I've been working on it. I hit it. Is we're doing some hot video content, a little bit of a patron exclusive breakdowns of uh, you know fundamentals or top down concepts uh, so far, and we're really just looking for things that our patrons want more attention to from the topics we do uh, either on the show or don't think we can cover on the show, just things that people are excited about or that they want to know more about and think that, uh, think that we can, we can do for them. So that's coming out hopefully by the end of the week for me, for patrons of the show, we available to all of them. I'm really excited about it. And uh, I just wanted to, I just wanted to plug a little bit of my own personal effort that I've been putting in Um with, of course, your help as, like, creative director, but really just spending um, a lot of time thinking about how to make information palatable and understandable for some really uh, high-level concepts. So Yeah, you're going to hear it next week on the pitch for the Patreon, but basically ha- we're, we want to be able to cover topics that we can't cover on the show as easily because we need to think about how wide the listener base is and that sort of thing, and also sometimes conversations don't lead to the best way to have these, and it's much better to have presentations. And so that's one of the, the benefits of the soon-to-be-announced special that Abe's going to be having. It's going to be a monthly thing where we have some of these. So look forward to that at patreon.com slash ccmtg. That's going to do it for the plug part of the show. Abe, let's get ready for SCGCon because I'm going I'm to keep it a buck, be honest with the listeners. I've played some standard, not a whole lot. I've been watching a bunch. I'm on top of things. I talk to people. You know, I, I'm in the know, but... I'm going to play the SCG this weekend because, honestly, I just don't got much else going on this weekend. I kind of want to play some standard. I like standard a lot. And, you know, I want to get some clout from 6 0 thing or whatever, maybe make some buckaroos on the weekend. I'm just keeping it a buck with the listeners, being honest, you know. Got to get what you can get. Trying to jam. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to game, yeah. And I know and I want to help the listeners go to SCG Con so they can hang out with us. And for what it's worth, SCG Con, if you're thinking of just going out there to hang, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of side events. And it sounds like a lot of people are going for side tournaments only. So, 
If you're thinking, dang, I want to play, or I want to go to this thing and see everyone, you should just come on out. SCG sponsor us. That Cedric, hey, I know you're friends with our friends. I know you're listening. Contact Abe. You know Abe. My old boss. Yeah, get in. <laughs> get in Abe's this, this DM. Slide on in. It's cool. We'll, we'll talk to you, baby. But, Abe, uh, uh, there are just a couple decks, and I know that you're kind of been on top of it when it comes to standard and that sort of stuff. And I kind of just want to talk about these decks and kind of work through them. And I'm going to start with where my heart kind of is at, and I want to know what your thing, your thoughts are, and I want to move through this here. My heart is looking at Win Noda. We got some pretty good upgrades in, like, Prosperous Innkeeper to that deck that really allow us to curve out and do the Winota thing more easily and consistently. And, you know, we have just a bunch of powerful non-humans. I, I have not seen many decks play the Loyal Warhound, which breaks my heart because I think I think we missed on Prosperous Innkeeper on the set review, but we were on Loyal Warhound. And looking back, that might be a little foolish. But what, what do you think about these decks? They look really strong to me, Abe. Yeah, they are... Um kind of the deck that no one talked about everyone's like oh like stands gonna be the same none of these cards matter and then people looked at uh minsk beloved ranger and i have a foil uh, of those innkeeper. innkeeper not being a human and we're like this is another great way to power out winota one of the most powerful cards in standard okay. um you know way ahead of time it plays a great threat base it outclasses um outclasses most of the other aggro decks by way of like kenrith and stuff uh the deck is very real i think it was like kind of the breakout deck at the first scg um kind of yeah, it seemed down... like it'd be a great for that weekend with people not really prepared for renota yeah um i believe it won the tournament i believe it it did uh, yeah yeah so so it kind of tore things up. It was a little bit of an unknown. People were playing a lot of Teamer and Gruel, and it definitely lines up well there. I think this weekend, people kind of adjusted to it, but it still put up a very strong showing, being uh, two copies in the top 12, uh, six in the top 16, literally 14th to 17th. They're all X2s playing Winota. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the deck is, is very strong. It, it has, like, some really good proactive draws. Um, a very good linear game plan and a lot of resilience when its draws don't necessarily come together and i think it really is like the trump to the other uh the other creature decks in the format uh, I, I i agree with that by that i gotta say the the thing that you know you mentioned the trump and these sort of things the thing that i'm really liking about this one deck and it's kind of drawing my eyes this looks like the deck with the most free wins in the format while also being a consistent deck Obviously, a little bit of power, you know, variance on when we have Winota or not. But I think the Winota decks are just going to kind of always have that. And I'm really liking, like, I'm looking at this online here. And they have, like, Ranger class as a one-of. Um, I'm seeing that sort of thing. And, you know, that's the thing that you can even sideboard if there's a lot of heavy removal decks. Or you're thinking to handle a lot of heavy spot removal. Having an extra one of those can be really great. I- I'm really liking this deck. Uh, one thing I've kind of heard, you know, former co-host or former host of the show and friend of mine, Spencer, was talking about playing Feldar Retreat in his Winota deck. What do you think about that and that sort of stuff? Am I, am I going overboard with having these fellow retreats and extra ranger classes? What do you think about that kind of stuff? I think that's probably taking it too far. Cause I think you're going to, you're going to move a little far from your plan a to mm-hmm. get to your, like your plan B plan C because like Winota is a deck where it's plan A is to Winota you. And then plan B is to creature deck you. And that's kind of like inserting a like, Oh, well if Winota, Winota doesn't work and creature decking you doesn't know, doesn't work then we can fell out our retreat you whereas 
oh. I feel like you kind of want something that plays better with with your plant. That that that's at least how I would feel about it. Is yeah. that um, you know, like Ranger class is really good for that because it fits in well, and I can like really like if I'm on a plan A draw where I'm like, okay, I'm Winota on four instead of on three, or I have a Jasper Sentinel on turn one. So now I'm going to be accelerated the mana into my Winota, um, like just getting it getting it down a turn early. Um, you know, it, it does that, but also leaves behind this material to make my plan B better. But I think that introducing more four drops into you mm -hmm. into the mix that are going to set you up for like an even longer game than the game you want to play is uh, it's not. I'm not sure if it's not good like i don't know if that's like it just doesn't feel like that's how the games are playing out for the winota deck that, that that's a, a plan c i'm interested in interesting so what i thought of is is, is felt retreat is a jank winota so i don't want to make too many tutus unless i'm trying to like sequence around kill spells right or whatever and try to overload them i want it to plus one plus one my team and jam i want to shove against other winota decks that's what i was kind of thinking uh, what do you think about it from that kind of aspect? Because it, it, it sounded like when we were talking there that maybe you thought I was wanting to grind people out with two twos. Uh, uh I want to be pushing. You want to you want to be shoving? Yeah, I want to shove. I like to shove with this deck. What do you think? Um, Is that crazy talk? Because I don't, I don't. I'd have to I try it out. I, it might be, it might be good enough. I think that honestly, though, the Winota mirrors feel like they come down so much to the card Winota or like who's on the play and getting the first Winota attack in that. Uh, uh, I might. It might not be enough, you know. Like, like Winota's sure. a very powerful card, um, but I'd, I'd have to try it. I think, I think that that could be something worth exploring for sure. Okay, if that's if that's how you want to play it. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in that because I see it as like it might be hard to play that and Ranger class main deck. Like looking at this deck, it's pretty tight on spots. Like, like for example, we only have room for like three Lotus Cobra, like in this kind of the bills I'm looking yeah. at online here, and like I would love to have a fourth of that. Just to always kind of be winoting or you know feladaring early. It's also got a lot less immediate value than something like Ezekiel's Chariot, which mm -hmm. is like a four of in the deck, which is oh, kind yeah. of like I guess the other, the other Winota. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it just comes down and is so, so sticky mm -hmm. and and difficult to get through that that it, it's kind of competing with that with that slot on four. But if you think that the way you want to approach it is having more fours, especially follow ups to Winota. You're like, okay, well, like, we both Winoted each other. Now here's how I'm trumping you, is I'm going, like, uh, like retreat, land. Mm -hmm. My creatures are now bigger than yours, and I'm attacking again and getting other triggers. That, sure. that could be a way about it. Yeah, my thoughts are I don't want... I don't want that many more fours. Like, just one more. It's just, like, a one-up. Just, like, I want the fifth Winota. Because Asika's Chariot, or however you say it, like, the Chariot is, like, quite good or whatever. But uh, Felidar Retreat's really a way in the mirrors to, like, if you're both missing Winota, the Retreat will put you much further ahead than your opponents. It also gives you, like, you can develop Chariot, and then, like, you know, you'd like to play Felidar and then get a land immediately. So, like, you know, even if you don't have a Fatal Passage, something as simple as, like, Lair the Hydra tapped now gives you some pretty immediate value. Uh, but maybe, maybe that's too cute. I'm not exactly sure. When we were talking, kind of got the feeling that I might be a little interested in Teamer because when you were mentioning like, you know, the Winota deck really needs the Winota and we're talking about all these sort of things happening. The Teamer deck is the other really kind of consistent mid-rangey deck. I guess Mono Green is as well. I'll talk about that in a second as well. But, you know, the Teamer deck looks like it'd be pretty good at keeping me off Winota stuff and grinding. What do you think about these Teamer decks? Because they seem a little too small volley for me, but they consistently do just so well. 
yeah it's it's just really hard to argue against uh against playing the pile of teamer cards mm -hmm. that's in standard right now because they do just have a lot of the best cards on rate uh, a lot of really solid interaction and uh, a, a really good game plan i think that kind of what's very characteristic of the standard format right now is that all of the decks that are performing well are just like good and all the decks in the last form from like the the previous iterations of the format before forgotten realms they're adapting to keep up with the new threats and i think that you know this week could be another week like in week one it felt like they were kind of like being attacked because everyone knew how they were going to be built and then this week and week two we're kind of seeing more adaptation among the new strategies against each other i think maybe this week would be the week that something like a teamer or a soul tie is able to finally get the get the blend right to uh to, to tackle all the different threats in the format and i think teamer especially you know it's it's always going to have draws that are going to be difficult for people to beat it, it's just mm -hmm. got the the luca coma draws are really pr impressively powerful the raw adventure draws are obviously you know really good in standard yeah <laughs> and uh and it's, it's definitely a duck i would not discount i think it was like looking at the like mtg data post which is not the best source of information but a good breakdown of what happened over the weekend in, in those melee tournaments it did have one of the better just raw win rate records uh, against the field so okay so here's something that I, i'm still trying to grapple with myself i'm trying to figure out we can maybe suss out here on the show everyone keeps saying soltai has a bad win rate like you look at the data you look at like the, the mtg first thing it's like 42 percent or something stupid like that and then I look at Moto challenges, and Andy Awkward is like an eighty percent win rate. He's like top eighting every challenge playing that deck. And you know, Andy, friend of the show, great player. Is it just like player diff? Is it like Soltai is like a control, like skill based deck or whatever, and it's just like not getting the things? Like what's happening that like it's not converting nearly as well on the uh, SCG opens? You know, on these kind of arena events. I think that if there is a deck in the history of Magic that suffers the most from, like, oh, I accidentally played last week's list, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I played, like, a list that would have been good last week but isn't good this week. It would be these Soul Tide decks. And I think that... I don't want to say it's pilot difference because I think that a lot of people, you know, probably make all the right in-game decisions when they play Soul Tide. But the small things about the way your deck is built, um, you know, like your sideboard plans... Uh, the way you choose to approach matchups, the way that people are adapted to you. Really, if you're very in tune with everything going on, Sultai seems to be performing very well. All of the people who play the standard uh, like challenges and a lot of the prelims on MTGO that I know still say that Sultai is one of the better decks and they don't really get how it has that win rate, just like you said. Um, and I don't either. I think that it is you know, a deck that if you're extremely... Uh, competent with it or you just feel like you know it and the decks in the format really well you think through all your decisions it, it performs great um, I think that when you see a deck like that and you have a deck that is so constantly endorsed I know that uh, Paulo put out a video uh, a few days ago talking about his list and how he like built it and what's going on with it when things like that happen people just kind of gravitate towards those decks and maybe don't have that wealth of experience that makes those you know coin flip matchups you don't get those edges that you know paulo is going to get of course uh but you also don't get the edges that a moto grinder who plays a bunch of sultai gets uh because <laughs> you're picking it up as as a deck list and a sideboard guide and not as a fully understood uh archetype and 
I think that if there's a deck that suffers the most from that kind of thing, it, it's got to be Sultai. Because all of, despite it being such a, it being a Yorian deck with 85 cards, well, 80 cards and then... Uh, the, Some the people complete... have five more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The five um, make it schmoove. Once you hit 85, your deck's just a well-tuned, oiled machine, obviously. Yeah. But but it being it being like such a complete 95, you'd think that like, oh, you know, it's like probably the single cards don't matter. But things like your removal suite, breaking it down into how many power word kills or how many heartless acts you're playing, um, you know, what sweepers you're playing, those things do matter a lot because, you know, you draw those cards and you have to cast them. So um, I think that it's probably the deck that, as an archetype, has the broadest diversity when you look at it under the lens of like, oh, what archetypes do people play, uh, but has the the most minutia to it when it comes to week-to-week deck building. And I think that if you can solidly hammer out a good Sultai list for a weekend, it might just be the best deck in the room. Like, it, it, it really feels like that archetype hasn't gone anywhere and is still so powerful. And whether whether or not it, like, sinks or swims on, on these little decisions, it seems like it does. Uh, and that's what I take away from its, like, you know, confusingly low win rate considering how well it performs for people who play a lot and you know the the differential between the average Sultai player and the good Sultai players with how much they're winning with it uh there's not really a better way for me to explain it than than probably a deck building difference yeah and i'm gonna make a yeah i agree with a lot of what you're saying there and i'm looking at the stats i'm gonna make a point here to say that i'm about to talk about decks making the top eight and below them there's a bunch of like other decks like winoda and things like that and obviously it's a one match difference but we are kind of like, we're looking at this data and everything and talking about that for a minute here, so bear with me. I look at top eight of this last weekend's SCG, and Sultai Ramp is, you know, 25% of the top eight. It, Chase Masters got fourth uh, playing it, and then we have Hinari Tanaka, I believe is how I say your name, sorry if I got that wrong, also playing it. Uh, you know, and they're listed as Ramp and Control, but they're, they're essentially like very similar decks. They're doing similar game plans. Um, and I just do not understand why this I, I i had just has to be what you said just knowing the correct stuff or whatever the sultai shells are just so strong i don't know it is a uh, it is interesting to see them not perform as well and i guess it really does just come down to those individual spots i gotta say uh, you know like this this episode's pretty casual and laid back in the way we're presenting things and it really is just kind of us talking through this this makes me not want to play this or if i am going to play it i'm not going to put any work into it because you have to, like, figure out all these little things, and it's so easy to get it wrong, and maybe someone else will figure it out, you know, and I can, like, net deck them. But this has me kind of off playing Sultai, even though it seems to be great. Like, I'm not off it for power-level reasons. I'm not even off it for any of that. I'm just afraid I'm going to mess it up if I try to tweak it too much. And so... I mean, yeah. I'm... So so I'm going to just point out a little bit of... Maybe not not great items, but anecdotal elements. I'm looking at uh, Hironori Tanaka's deck from the top eight. Yeah. This person played against Winota five times. Yeah. <laughs> in the Swiss and murked it five times. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like that's. They came in with no buys. They're. Oh, sorry. They murked it four times. They lost to Winota once, um, piloted by the other. One of the Winota pilots in top eight. Um, but yeah, they. They were just crushing this field. Um,. Yeah, and their loss in top eight was to the other Sultai player. So there's a little bit of cannibalization of the Sultais there, you know? It's, uh, 
Very, I'm sorry, that was round eight he played Chase. I'm sorry, he lost yeah. to Rumty, the eventual winner in round Yeah, eight. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Rum, Rumty is a very popular uh, streamer on Twitch.tv, Abe, who only plays mono. He, doesn't only, he is known for primarily playing mono green. And so uh, I, I want to talk about his deck in a second here because it is very interesting. I'm a big mono green fan myself. Um, but yeah, the, the Soul Tie stuff, uh, I kind of kind of off it until someone figures out a good list to tell me, you know? Because I just. Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, I'd keep my ear to the ground to the Soul Tie people I know, you know? I, yeah. I'd wait and see what the late standard, like, prelim results are, if there are any, or just what people I know are planning to play for the challenge, or if I see any of them play any satellites, look at their lists for reference. But, uh, you know, it's not something where I'm going to be putting in the time either, either for it. I've got other other formats to be preparing for um, yeah and i just don't know if my time is best spent there i don't think that leans into my strengths of magic so yeah yeah i, I don't know this yeah, i think favorite. if i got a good list yeah. if i if i if i see one i'm sending it your way mason yeah you know, you know I, I hook a home yeah but give, give me the good list i'm just not gonna build it <laughs> yeah it's it's a lot of work and that's like i think especially for the two of us that's not really either of our strengths is like those minutiae deck building choices i think that's like not at least not when I have so little experience on it. Um, yeah, exactly. Not without putting in the hours and understanding it. And that's really hard with a standard format that's only three weeks old. Yeah, and it's only going to be three more weeks or whatever. I just... Yeah. I'm, I'm hard to find myself motivated like that. Room T, mono green mid-range. That's what this deck is called. It's like an aggressive mid-range deck. This deck has been a deck that I, I kind of constantly always come back to. I always look at the beginning of formats. It's always so strong and it falls off. But this time it seems to be staying around. And... You know, I mentioned earlier the one noted deck seemed to have the most free wins and be the most consistent. This deck, I think, is a little bit more consistent than probably the one noted decks, just when it comes to power level and things. It's probably a little weaker, but still gets so many free wins. And this deck is so appealing to me. Am I am I crazy for hopping on this sort of deck over Winoda, or is this just like the also good? You know, you lose a little bit of power, but you gain consistency type thing. Um, I would be a little cautious about hopping on a monogreen because you see that it won because i don't think i think it only played against winota in the finals uh room two is the only monogreen player to do well with it mm -hmm. and uh i think that the rest of the results showed that outside of like room two <laughs> monogreen actually did pretty average it was like not really beating anything and mm -hmm. um you know maybe if you're if i I don't know this room to guy, but if he's a master of green, mm -hmm. then, you know, maybe if you feel like you're also a master of green, Mason, then you oh, should yeah. go for it. But it seems like uh, that might be one where knowing your matchups and getting a little lucky and having things break your way is more more the case than a metagame positioning. I think the deck is still good. It's It was kind of like the big, you know, flashy, like, wow, this is this is a new deck people weren't ready for. It's going to be the, the star of the show for... Uh, AFR standard and then has kind of uh, kind of seen the metagame adapt around it and kind of getting eaten up by the other things going on mm -hmm. but you know a lot of other people are playing these other creature decks and uh, I do think probably your gruel matchup is good because you you know just have have bigger stuff and they're only a just Embercleave and that's kind of rough um, mm -hmm. and maybe the Winona matchup is better than than I think it is you have a lot of fight but, spells. You have a lot of fight yeah. spells. Like that, yeah, these, are, sure if, these are nice. I'm sure if you prioritize things, you can 
you can make sure that no Winota is ever too scary. You know, keeping sure. keeping hands that are able to answer Winota probably very important. Open decklist uh, probably matters a lot for this deck. You know. Yes. Yes. Probably. Like I, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine that with a deck that is so linear and choked interaction, knowing when you need to just mulligan for the things that that answer the opposing linear decks is probably huge. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not so sure. You should you can play it someone ladder and see how it feels for you. Like if, if it feels like the thing you want to do, I'm not sure it's better than playing Winota. I don't know how, um, how much better it is against Sultai now that Sultai is kind of adapted to be uh to be beating green of it but it, it seemed like green really fell off this week compared to last week and, and there has to be a reason for that okay uh huh i'm feeling it all right that makes sense i i want to talk about gruel a little bit because we kind of mentioned it there this deck like always does kind of well every time there's like a big tournament the pros always show up they play gruel it does really well i play gruel it does really well and then every time the format like loses pressure People stop playing Gruul. Is that just like we're being dumb? Like, should we just be playing Gruul more? I'm looking at it. It kind of looks like it has some inconsistency. Like, the, the Gruul, I mean, the Gruul deck's mana is just bad. I mean, it has yeah. not gotten better. I'm looking at it now. We've got, like, four Path, four Fable, eight Forest, four Mountain, and a te Temple of Abandon in the list I'm looking at right now. And uh, it doesn't seem to change that much. I found one that, you know, has one less land, no Temple. You know, just things Also, like that. some of the Gruul got wet. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, I, I noticed some of them have blue in the sideboard. I'll have a little wet, wet girl, a little negate, a little yeah, D-stroke. A little, little D-stroke, yeah. Um, the modern rule deck is just, when it's good and when you, like, you know, if your hands open well, you're pretty pretty hard to beat. I think it's another deck where Eska's Chariot's very good. Mm -hmm. um, and Embercleave, like does a lot to to push you in ways that Winota doesn't. It's kind of like a... If I had to compare the Gruul deck to the Winota deck on what makes them different from a, from a top-down perspective, I would say it's that one of these is a Winota deck and the other one is an Embercleave deck. Mm -hmm. um, and the way that that changes constraints and the way that that enables them to play other things uh, matters a lot, but... I don't know, like Gruul. If you draw, if you draw those hands that are like Sentinel, Magda, One, like Magda, Heart's Desire, go. Like, I don't know. Decks don't beat that. They don't. They don't. They don't come back from that easy, uh, except for like Soltai playing Pestilentes or something, you know. So, uh, it's never a bad choice. I think that it's still really well positioned. I think that, uh, I think that it it seems pretty decent against Winota. You just have... It's another matchup where it's about hitting your important card. I think that Ranger class is very good in uh, in the Gruul deck. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Just because you, like... It, it does the thing that you want it to do, you know? It, it it hits and it pops off. It's It gives you a thing to do with the mana when you are kind of dressed up with bodies but not a lot to invest in. Um, and also... Like plays well in the early turns, so that's fair. All right, I, Sandy check. I love rogues. It's one of my favorite favorite standard decks of all time. I love playing the rogues deck. Can I play it? Am I allowed? Do I get the green card? Yeah, you can play it. I think I I was seeing some stuff about the arena open. Yeah, where like 
I hadn't really seen people talk about rogues at all or like about playing it. And it didn't seem like with the way week one went that rogues would be like really good. But I guess, you know, there's still a lot of Sultai and Teamer out there and Gruel is a close matchup. Uh, apparently Winota is a good matchup for Demir rogues. That's what, uh, that's what LSV says anyway. And I would trust LSV on that. LSV, LSV said he like had played rogues and like lost a mirror as one of his losses on day one of the open. And then like, lost another mirror as well as like getting a little unlucky against Winota to like bomb out of day two of the arena open. So, okay. Uh, I haven't played any rogues in the format, but I do see how a deck that is able to, to play all of the good answers to pick apart the important cards in these kind of like, you know, four drop focused, uh, like teamer or, uh, gruel and, and Nia Winota shells could be really good. Like, like the pressure backed up, um, or like the the removal backed up by the pressure and the ability to punish the turns where they do cast uh, cast like a Winota or an Embercleave just as well as the turns that they don't mm-hmm. means the deck is is really good. Kind of a common theme that I feel is that if there's a deck that you well, if there's a deck that a pro felt was good before uh, before Forgotten Realms came out, they still think it's good now. It's just needed to be tuned up. And they are holding by it. They're like, yeah, this is still really good. This deck is really good. You just need to build it, like, right, or, like, play this list, and you're caught up. You'll be fine. The deck is, like, probably one of the best decks in the format. And everyone's saying that about their deck, and no one has really budged off of any of the existing decks being good or the new decks being, you know, not great contenders. So there's not really a place that I feel like you can go wrong by playing any of the decks in Standard right now. I do think that, like, when it comes down to doing it right, especially on, like, a week of preparation, you haven't really played much before this, Mason, that, like, mm-hmm. it comes down to what are you really feeling comfortable with. Like, I, I don't know what the last standard deck you played was, but... I mean, uh, I, I play... The last one I played in a tournament that, like, mattered or whatever was, like, an SCG one, and it was, like, you know, Rogues or whatever, or Mono Green Food. It, it's been a bit. Like, I, I did not play any of the Strixhaven ones. There weren't that many either, but, like, you know, yeah. I did not play, like, the two there were. Um, so, you know, it's been a while since I've played standard where it really matters. Um, yeah, okay. Well, that's, that's reasonable. I love rogues. I, I think that deck's one of my favorite decks to ever play in standard, like of all time. But I, I have been a bit of a poo-pooer of rogues, like honestly, cause I thought it was a little, it hasn't gotten the power boost the other decks had. And I know that it like had a really high ceiling to begin with or whatever. And power word kill is a nice get. But uh, it does seem a little weaker than the rest of the decks. You know what I might... I might be tipping my hand a little bit here. Tip but it. I've heard rumblings of a little bit of a boost that that deck might have gotten. That a lot of decks actually might have gotten. That no one's really playing yet, but might actually be positioned well enough to be played. Which is Ray of Enfeeblement. I don't know what that does. That is an uncommon from uh, Forgotten Realms. It is one of the hate cards, the like, color... Oh, it's the red it's a single one. black. Oh, no, it's not that. Okay, sorry. No, it's single black instant. <laughs> Target creature gets minus four, minus one until end of turn. If that creature is white, it gets minus four, minus four until end of turn. Oh. So it's like, it's your red cap melee. It can pick off like Magda's and... Um, Winota's. Yeah, well, yeah. So so it kills Winota's. It kills Clarion Spirits or whatever. It kills, it kills every white creature that people are playing. Um... It can pick off a lot of other things. It can pick off Edgewell Keepers. It can pick off Magnus. Um, 
you know, all of the various X1s, Lotus Cobras and stuff uh, can can take those down. And also is like, you know, really good there. And gives you another one drop removal spell, which means that you can kind of keep pace as the format sped up a bit um, without too much downside. I do think that like, after talking about it, I think that if Rogues does actually hold a good matchup against Winota and is like coin flippy against Gruul, um, that the way the format's trending, if people are trying to like combat against uh, all of these various creature strategies, that it's got to be pretty well positioned, right? Because you, yeah. you like you're good against Team Raluca. You're good against Sultai. Um, you know you're good against Winota, and so that's already three of the best decks in the format we're talking about. Yeah, your cell's um, also so efficient, too. Like, your, your your average CMC is just so... I mean, like, I guess if you count into the story as a four-drop, right? Like, yeah. your your deck is just so much more efficient than everyone. And people still have a little bit of the escape stuff, but when I was, like, breezing through, they don't have it like they used to, where there was, like, three or four cards. It's, like, Yeah, two there's cards. more Pelucranos in, like, the Sultai decks or whatever, but that, that one's so much mana to escape anyway that it's not a huge punish. Yeah, and like your cling dust play well in that matchup anyway, mm-hmm. so like that's that's pretty good. Um, I do think the Minota deck plays like a bunch of oxes, but oxes out of those decks is not anything new to you, and and a lot of their beaters are a lot worse than the old Gruel beaters when they were like Brushfire Elemental decks. Oh uh, dang, I'm doing it again. I'm getting back on the Rogues train. Oh no! I honestly don't think it's a bad place to be. Like. Uh, if I were playing a lot of standard this weekend, and I might still, like, Rogue's deck would definitely be on my radar because I think that, you know, it's it's never been too far out, and it's not it's not in the targets right now, you know? The, the story of the weekend last weekend was not Rogue's is the best. And so if people don't say Rogue's is the best over and over again, and be, if, if it's not everything I know about how to beat Rogue's on StarCityGames.com, if it's not, you know... Like people tweeting, I hate rogues on Twitter, then rogues is probably fine, dude. Like that deck oh. is probably good. Where's my <laughs> yeah. hood? I'm donning it. I'm putting the plan the rogues. Yeah, I, I honestly it's time to call up Kyle, dude. Yeah. Kyle time Pile. To get, time to get get all the rogues pilots we know in into the uh, into the invitational this weekend. It's their week. <laughs> it's their time. I I think that's gonna. I I didn't expect it. Into, I kind of expected us not to like rogues, but you kind of sold me on it. I'm not gonna lie. That, the I'm kind of. Have... I'm kind of. I'm with it. I didn't expect it either. I was <laughs> like, yeah, maybe I'll just tell you like play Winota. It seems like good or whatever. But yeah, the Winota deck's nice. Rogues is rogues is tried and true. It's it. It has always been on the list of decks that is like in a need to be respected, or it will have a good tournament. Yeah. Um, and none of the matchups are are even close to like lopsided enough that i wouldn't even feel good or like i would i wouldn't i would feel bad about registering it and then playing against like even my bad matchup spread because sometimes you just double crab them or you like you know you have the right draw for their draw or their draws a little clunky and you are able to weave into counter spell well you know mm-hmm. so maybe just find the right removal and counter spell suite for that it's probably a lot easier than figuring it out for soul time i think disdainful strokes really good maybe try out some raven fieldments and see where that lands you but yeah yeah i I think rogue is in a good spot maybe don't maybe don't give it all away at the uh at the satellites Mm -mm. you know i I want a six of the saddy i want to it's it's clout or 5k and we all know what's more important (laughs) in this world it's those four twitter followers you're gonna get from that six of baby the fire that's right 
What's five thousand dollars gonna do in my bank? Not gonna buy me any followers. Gonna do nothing. <laughs> no, that's fair. No, I, I'm a. I'm gonna see how it goes. We'll see. It should be a fun time. Besides, I'll just you know five six seven people will be like ah whatever. Rogues guy plays rogues. You know they they won't know. They won't respect. Yeah. Oh, he played against Sultai four times. That's cheating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He played Sultai twice. Fuck. Uh, free. Uh. <laughs> Anyways, I think that's gonna do it for our main topic. Uh. That was really fun to go over. But now we get to go over our Patreon question, which kind of ties into this. So it's so great. So one of the benefits of being a patron of the show at patreon.com slash ccmtg is you get to ask questions like this one. How often do you test the deck before deciding to make significant changes uh, before you change the deck or switch to another deck? So Abe, this is kind of an awkward one. It really depends for me on how much I've played the deck before and how much format knowledge I have. Because sometimes... I'm really in tune with the format, and like, like I feel like right now with modern, I don't need to play any to, you know, most games or most known archetypes. You know, maybe something like elementals I haven't played a lot of, where it's a brand new thing I need to play a good bit. But things like Titan, uh, Red Black Ragavan, that sort of stuff, uh, Blue Red, I I kind of know in my head, and I have a good feel for that. And so while I would prefer to not, I like to play some with the deck before I make changes. If I was under a time constraint, I don't feel like I need to. So this question is kind of daunting for me. What do you think? Um, I think my biggest piece of advice on this is it's not ever, like, too clear, but I never want to make a change to a deck or, like, work with the deck list and, and really change everything without, you know, a theory and a purpose. So I need to have a reason why I want to change it, and I need to have a reason why I think this change is better. So I need to be like, okay, uh, you know, I think that... You know, Sultai, like, for example, we did that Sultai experiment a long time ago. It was like, you know, I think that Sultai is, like, bad in the way it is right now. But if we, like, shrink it down, we can play all of the best parts of the compact Sultai deck. Uh, and I think it'll be really well positioned against everything else, including our current bad matchup in Rogues. That didn't end up panning out, but that was, like, where I needed to be with my understanding of the format, what I wanted to accomplish in the format, and then why I was making the big structural change I was making. But... To get there, you need to know what, like, not everything about your deck, but you need to understand the way your deck functions. Have a, have a good sense of what your plans are and what you do in certain matchups and, you know, how your cards are meant to accomplish those goals. And then you should figure out what it is you want to solve or change about that. Because, you know, you're you're tinkering with a machine and you're, you're building it to solve a new problem or to solve an existing problem differently uh so you should have a good concept of what that is so there's not really like a how much time is it before i know um it, it depends on the thing like if i'm doing something completely new that no one's ever done before i probably want to spend more time doing it than if it's like uh you know i'm adding Luke. adding adding a thing i've already tested in other in other places to this to like solve a similar problem um trying to think of a good example of that but like or maybe it's just like adding counter spells to gruel is like okay i've identified that i have a problem with these cards and the answer that i want is going to be putting counter spells in my deck because i know how that's going to play out and i like feel feel good about it and you know but to, for me to get to that point i would want to know how often is it that a counter spell would actually save me in those spots and how often i want that to be my plan if that's what the game's coming down to is just like you know, if they can never resolve their first Sultai ultimatum, then 
I win. So if that's if that's how I feel the way that the that the gruel matchup goes for like the gruel Sultai matchup goes, and I'm gruel, then playing those counter spells makes perfect sense because you know it's the only way I lose is that they resolve this spell. I'm going to just focus on on doing that. My mana definitely supports me finding a blue source by turn six or seven, and finding one of my like four or five copies works. But if I'm like okay. My plan against Soltai is to like completely change everything about my deck. <laughs> like you know, or, like I want to play, um, like a different suite of threats to like change the way I choose to play out a matchup. That's something where I need to know about where I'm starting from, and then I need to learn where I'm going with it. And if I don't have a good grasp on on those things, then I don't want to start because I want to make sure that I I know what it is I'm seeking to accomplish and how I plan on accomplishing. So. It's not really a, a how long in time, but how long in experience for sure is is just knowing, uh, you know, having a theory and uh, and having a solution. Yeah, I would say that given infinite time, or like if I'm just kind of playing to learn or whatever, I definitely want to like play like five or ten matches or like a league or whatever before I change anything, just to kind of get a good feel for it. But barring a time constraint, it's like Abe said, you know, it much less about how much time I'm putting into it and how much more am I confident we're having a plan or a solution to things. And so my thing about, about like playing just one league though, or playing like two leagues, playing like 10 to 15 matches is that, you know, like oftentimes you are going to wind up being better off in that position. If you're like, yeah, I kind of like this, but you know, maybe it's not like the right thing or like it has these problems if you're really under time crunch, you're going to be better off switching decks entirely and moving to something else that already has a solution in place that does the things you like or, or trying something else than trying to, you know, innovate right there on the spot without the complete information. So I, yeah, it, it's hard, you know, I think that deck building is, is and, and tweaking and stuff is some of the hardest stuff that there is in magic because it takes so much understanding. But uh, yeah, I just do caution against the, the feeling of like, oh, I've played two leagues. I know what I'm doing because sometimes two leagues can tell you a lot and tell you like, oh, I know that I need to do this thing. But unless you've really focus tested a matchup and seen the play patterns play out for what you're trying to solve for, uh, I would I would caution against feeling like, you know, yeah, 15 matches is enough to, to really feel what's going on, even, even if you're really experienced. I know that Harlan used to say that he would play 50 matches with a deck before he felt like he could put it down and understand everything about it yeah Har- harlan said he needed 50 matches with any deck before he was going to play in an event that was his his thing um that all being said i think it's probably worth noting that i should i should say that when i'm like play testing or whatever i'm not really playing to win a lot of times i'm playing to put myself in new scenarios and think about how the scenarios would play out more so than i am about like actually playing those games and I'm trying to think and see the cards that matter and the ones that line up. So like when I'm playing these games, I'm thinking like, okay, like if they had a brazen bar here, they had this, they had that. I'm kind of like thinking about a lot of things at once to try and shortcut the playing the games in my head thing, which I do a lot where like I think about how the decks will play out and I play like matches in my head while I'm like just doing things. And I think about that sort of stuff. I think this is a case of me doing that and kind of using it as an example of like, if I don't have a strong base on how the deck will play out or it looks so different than that, I can't kind of wrap my head around it. That's like a good like sample size for me to start to understand like, okay, this is how things start to go. Even though I know that's not like a hundred percent accurate picture. It's more of an abstract version yeah. of it. So 
probably worth mentioning to the listeners. Thank you for bringing that up, Abe. Sometimes, you know, we assume things we know because it's us, but uh, other listeners don't know. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for that question. Hopefully that was helpful for you, the listeners. If you want to follow us, you can find me on Twitter at Mason E. Clark and each and every week on Card Kingdom. You can find Abe here at More No Things. And you can also watch the video version of this podcast at youtube.com slash constructed criticism where you'll see us talking and doing little in jokes and holding things up. You'll see we have our Twitters and everything above us. I'm pointing to those. Now you know Abe's holding up some cards. He wants you to tweet at him so you know what cards there are and I'll give you a promotional Real ones, code. No. That's right. Real ones. That's right. We'll give you an arena code from our good friends at Grey Viking Games. Tweet at us. What were those two cards that Abe was holding up? They could be anything. Let us know. There you go. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you all next week for another episode.